This is the Timberwolves Weekly Podcast, part of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. You are listening to Walk by the Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are a great band. This is a great song. I love listening to the Foo Fighters while I write. And so I figured what better song to start off the very first episode of the podcast with than something about the Foo Fighters. My name is Ethan Becker. I am your host. And my guest today is Logan Alton, a fantastic Timberwolves writer, all-around great dude, writes for A Wolf Among Wolves, and he does great stuff over there. That site does great stuff. You can go follow Logan at L Alton NBA. You can follow me at Real Ethan Becker. And you can follow the show at T Wolves Weekly, all on Twitter. Other than that, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Can't you see I've waited long enough? Where do I begin? All right, welcome. This is the first episode of. Timberwolves Weekly, and I'm here with Logan Alton. Logan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you today? I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing good. You know, this is a project that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm excited that I finally have the time to start it. Uh, I'm excited to be joining the Hoopheads Network. That was kind of a surprise when uh, one of their podcasters reached out to me and was just like, I think you should join the network because it would be fun. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm excited to be doing the show. I'm excited to be with the team and I'm excited to have you on because you're one of uh, one of my favorite kind of uh, less, lesser known, I'll say, Timberwolves writers. Thank you. Know? So yeah, we got a lot to get into today. We're going to be talking about uh, some high points from the season, some highlights from the season. We're going to be talking about the rookie players, and uh, and we're going to kind of be looking at the team's free agents. And at the end here, uh, we will have just a brief discussion about all the news centering around the s- sale of the team that has kind of exploded in the last few days. So uh, let's just get right into it. So this was kind of a weird season. For the Timberwolves, it was all over the place. Uh, I'm I'm starting to notice there's a fairly consistent timetable for Timberwolves fandom, which is before the season, everybody's super excited, and we think that like we think that this is the year, right? This is our year, is something that's constantly said. And then the first couple games are good, you see a couple good things, and then the team starts to tank. But I think even with Everything that happened, of course, uh, the final record, I believe, was 23-49. and 49. Uh, I still think this was a fairly successful season for a lot of reasons. And I was curious, though, before I got into those, if you what you thought of the season as a whole. It, it, it was a bizarre one. I don't think there's anything that you can actually, like, really take away from the season. Um, just as so many things happened and changed constantly, like... You may have, you know, garnered a perception about one player through the first half of the season, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're playing a different position, and now a complete opposite um, play, or type of player that you expected, like Juancho Hernan Gomez, for example. Totally yeah. unplayable at the beginning of the season. And now he was an actual rotation player at the end under Chris Finch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was, I think, as skeptical as any when Chris Finch came on, and we'll talk about him and his performance a little later, but I think he definitely helped 
the team and definitely helped uh, kind of steer the Timberwolves in the direction that I think Gerson Rosas ultimately wants us to be going in, right? Ultimately, which way he wants us to be trending. And so uh, that's really interesting. I really liked, uh, and I'll, I'll mention this every single time because I feel so bad about it. I think Anthony Edwards lived up to everything he was expected to do and then possibly even more. I thought he was really good. I was very worried at the beginning of the season uh, because obviously you remember the draft day comments that he made about kind of, I believe he said something along the lines of like, not like he didn't like basketball all that much or something along those lines. Basketball lines, yeah. Yeah. And then I saw when he was drafted, the Timberwolves social media team was putting out all of these like, post where it was like oh he's the first one in the gym and they're like hyping up his work ethic and I'm like if they're hyping up his work ethic I don't know what that says but he kind of came in and I think he took a couple games to adjust and then he just took off uh he ended up with I believe I have stats here I do he so he ended up averaging 19.3 points 4.7 rebounds 2.9 assists 1.1 steals per game and he shot uh, 41.7% from the field and 32.9 from three. I think a really good rookie season. He's likely the rookie of the year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't like Anthony Edwards, the prospect. Oh, um, I had uh, Tyrese Maxey as my best shooting guard. Okay. Um, and I, I was not thrilled. I, I would much rather have had LaMelo. And honestly, still, I, Lamelo Ball is, in my opinion, heads and shoulders a better prospect. Um, but that being said, Anthony Edwards is probably exactly what the team needed. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, between all of the bad things going on with the Wolves, on and off court, you got Malik Beasley, you got all the tragic stuff that happened to Cat, you got um, the coaching mess, the sale, everything. Anthony Edwards kind of, you know, is that breath of fresh air. The yeah, even if his on-court play, you know, at t- or took a while to get rolling, his off-court stuff just made everything worth it. And like, mm-hmm. that's exactly what the franchise needed. Absolutely, I I compared him once to Kevin Garnett, just in that off-court role of just having these insane quotes and these hilarious quotes in interviews. Uh, and I think, yeah, to bring a little bit of levity was absolutely uh, what the team needed during this season. And then the other thing that I kind of noted down here was we're 25 games in, and I think we're far enough in now where we can say that the Cat D'Lo experiment has worked. That there's enough of a sample size, I think, that we can say that when those two play together, they help each other and they they benefit from being on the court together uh which is good because that was a huge risk that we took yeah um it's helped that both players kind of changed a little as to how they had been playing too like carl anthony towns had his arguably best defensive season um and d'angelo russell played a lot more off ball once cat was back and both were huge for like making everything work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 
when they were in games where they played together, Russell averaged 19.5 points, 6.6 assists, one steal, shot 44 and 37. Uh, Towns was almost 25 points, a little over 10 rebounds, uh, almost five assists per game, and he shot uh, 47 and 39. Uh, and so these these guys really, I think, adjusted their game slightly, as you were saying, to complement each other. And I think that's another takeaway that we can have from this season and another kind of you know success point that we can hold on to when we're all sitting at home watching playoff basketball again without the Timberwolves in the mix. Uh, so briefly I want to kind of touch on the draft situation because this is this is going to be an interesting year I think where it's likely that we don't we go in without a first round pick <clears throat> i believe we still have a second round pick i haven't no that we don't oh we don't so we're going into this draft without any picks likely uh i do i do know i we our highest probability is the sixth or, th- or seventh pick which means it would defer to the warriors uh there is i believe if i remember correctly a four percent chance of landing in the top three which would mean the pick would stay with us do you think the team makes any moves to acquire picks, or do you think that they kind of set this one out and maybe try to build to free agency? I I would would be shocked if they go out and grab a first. Mm-hmm. Um, the more likely thing is if they lose the pick, they go out and grab a second rounder and um, take a flyer on some guy and hopefully find another Nas Reed or Jalen Noel type. Yeah. Because they do also have Leandro Bolmaro coming over, and you know, for the sake of just adding a rookie, he's basically the equivalent to a first-round pick as is. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm kind of in agreement there. I don't think, I think maybe they could go for a second rounder, but I don't think there's going to be any big moves when it comes to the draft with the Timberwolves. Uh, but speaking of rookies, and speaking of draft picks i want to talk about the rookies on the team and kind of go over their play so first off we already talked a little bit about edwards i already threw out his stat line and i really think he improved from where he was in college two things that i really wanted to see from him was one he didn't really finish with his left all that much in college and i think in minnesota he really worked on that and he really worked on finishing with both hands and i think he's adept at that now and then you had to his sometimes his decision making I would scratch my head at in college just some of the shots that he was taking uh and I think not being in such such a big role like he was uh I think that really helped him and it really helps with his decision making yeah I agree um it's a lot easier being the second fiddle or third fiddle and not having to be the guy that takes all the crazy shots and gets all the, uh, being the only creator and gets all the grenades that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, five seconds with the shot or left on the shot clock type of shots. Yeah, no, exactly. Where do you think, where, where do you think he goes from here? How do you, how do you think he evolves his game takes to the next step? efficiency is probably going to be the biggest thing. I know he got way, way, way more efficient 
in the second half of the season. But like that, and then also defense. Um, defense, true. He, just he has the tools. He has the um, physicality and everything. It's just using it more and like hopefully now that D'Lo is going to be back, Cat's going to be back full time, and um, either Malik Beasley or someone they trade Malik for, um, he can kind of sell into a, a nice role in the offense and expend more energy defensively. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think efficiency and defense are two areas where he can improve. I still, even though I I did like the steps that he took, I still want to see him improve that decision-making a little bit because there were times where you were watching him where you kind of saw old Anthony Edwards come out. Uh, his assist-to-turnover ratio, I noted, was he had uh, 2.9 assists to 2.2 turnovers with a 27% usage percentage. And so <clears throat> to to drop those turnovers especially, I think, would be the next a next progression that he could take and then somebody who i think kind of came out of nowhere for everybody was Jaden mcdaniels uh who was on the bench for the first couple games of the season and then he got in and proved to be like just this perfect piece for minnesota uh so he averaged in just 24 minutes he averaged 6.8 points uh 3.7 rebounds 1.1 assists and he shot uh, 36.4% from three and 447 from the field. What was your take on his season this year? And w- were you as kind of surprised by his breaking out as I was? <laughs> yeah, I I thought he was never going to see the floor except for in garbage time. He should have went to Iowa for that G League bubble and everything, and I thought that was basically going to be his season. Um, and, well, I was way wrong. And just like everyone else, like, he, as you said, he's basically perfect for what Minnesota needed. Um, and I'm sure even his, like, biggest fans probably didn't see him being, like, this ready this soon. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a huge surprise and a really nice surprise and even though the numbers don't exactly jump out, the the impact that he made on the defensive side was super important. So he uh, had a 113.1 defensive rating, which placed him for eighth on the team for players who had played more than uh, 10 games. He was sixth on the team in defensive, uh, or excuse me, in defensive win, win shares. He was sixth on the team with the 0.053, and he was 11th on the team for steals per game and third in blocks per game. And so, yeah, go ahead. Those don't do him justice at all. He was arguably the team's best defender. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, but the, the impact that he made on defense really helps us, and exactly, it seemed that he was at the level where he needed to be at right now i think the the next step is kind of evolving that offensive game a little more but even now i think you're you're essentially playing with house money with him because he was so good and so such a great asset and so surprising in that way 
Yeah, <clears throat> and I know, I think uh, Dane Moore was talking about it on his pod, where Chris Finch wants uh, Jay McDaniels to start running more pick and rolls and evolve him as a playmaker, and that'll be really fun to see play out if it happens. Yeah, oh yeah, and I, yeah, I really like that too. I, I hadn't heard that before, and that's really interesting to think. I think he could almost fit into either role with that, right? He could be the ball handler going into a pick and roll, or he could be the guy setting the screen. And I think either one would be uh, really interesting to see what he does in that role. So absolutely. Uh, I really like Jaden McDaniel's season and I was skeptical even for the first couple games that he came on, but he kind of won me over. And spe- speaking of again, people who won me over, uh, Chris Finch, who was brought in uh, around the end of February when the team uh, fired Ryan Saunders after a 7-24 and start. For the rest of the season, the Wolves went 16-25. and So not a great uh, not a great run by most standards, but by how the team was progressing this season, it was good and... Yeah, what what were your thoughts on his on Chris Finch's kind of fit with the team and what he did with the team? For uh, context, I'd like to point out that I looked it up a while back, and I believe Chris Finch is fifth all time in Timberwolves coaching win percentage. Is really? So, um, you yeah, know, yeah, greatness. Um, yeah, but <laughs> at the end of this season, he's already fifth. That's that's really sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I I really liked a lot of what Chris Finch did. It t- kind of felt like he had the more of the freedoms that Ryan Saunders didn't have. And, like, there were things that were almost taboo in the Ryan Saunders coaching um, world, like playing Kat and Nas Reed together or you know, things like that, or not adhering to strict minutes, rotations, and restrictions to where, you know, if Cat just sunk eight threes in a row and he's at his eight-minute mark, Ryan was yanking him out and kind of cutting off his hot, hot streak and everything. Chris Finch didn't have any of those uh, restrictions or anything and was able to get really funky and creative with his lineups and allow things to play out more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Finch fit more into this analytic-heavy style that Rosas certainly wants to be going. I believe they worked on the Rockets together, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, that's that. I, that I thought I remembered that. And yeah, I mean, again, it, when they were brought on, I was really skeptical about it. I was really worried about it. I, I, I didn't at the time think. That the Timberwolves had the team set to play the sort of small ball Houston Rockets style. I, I'm still not totally sure that we can succeed with that style of play, but I'm 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 more confident in Chris Finch's ability to work with the team and work with the players that he has and develop a system that will work. Uh, obviously, still some pieces missing there, but. I my my worries have been assuaged as, when it comes to Chris Finch, and so 
Yes. Um, I, I do think it's unfair to just pigeonhole him as a Rockets guy, too. He was um, partially behind Jokic's uh, development and rise to stardom and uh, Denver system there. Um, and he did great things in New Orleans and, and uh, as well as, like, you know, helped in Toronto. But um, just saying that he's a, a Rockets guy would do would do his uh, would not do him justice. Sorry, I cannot speak. Oh. No, that yeah, and that's not what I was I I wasn't necessarily trying to just say like, oh, he's only a Rockets guy, but the system that Rosas wants the team to be playing is that system, is the kind of small ball three heavy system, right? We went from uh the year before Rosas came, we went from, I believe, third to last in the league in three points attempted to the year that he came in. We were leading the league in three points attempted, even though we were bottom 10 in three-point percentage still. And so, uh, but absolutely, I I did look at his resume when he was brought in, and yeah, there's a lot of success wherever he goes. And so I'm, I'm really... I, I am anticipating this next season. I think he's going to do a lot of good things. Yeah, same. I'm really excited to see what uh, everything looks like after a full like training camp under him and offseason and everything. Today's episode is brought to you by Davy Jones Branded Beard Balm. Davy Jones Branded is the best beard balm in the seven seas. It's a veteran-owned business that makes all sorts of products to make your beard look amazing. Their products are all natural and made with argan and essential oils. And with three awesome products, Pirate's Plunder, Release to Kraken, and Siren's Call, Davy Jones Branded has everything that you need to bring your beard to the next level. Everything they make is all natural, handmade by a U.S. veteran, and all vegan. The best part is that 100% of the proceeds go to help the founder fund his son's speech therapy. These guys are so awesome, and they'll make your beard look great. You can go find them at www.davyjonesbranded.com and follow them on Instagram at davyjonesbranded. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk a little bit about the free agents with the team, both uh, those players entering free agency this summer as well as those entering free agency next summer and uh, talk a little bit about what the team should do with them, whether they should look to re-sign them or whether they should look to replace them. And the first person uh, on the list, I think Logan and I both have the same opinion on this, uh, is Ed Davis, somebody who I was really high on coming in. Uh, but after this season, I think he would be better left as being passed up on. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think most of Ed Davis's value comes as a locker room guy and like break glass in case yeah. of emergency type of guy. Um, and, you know, if nothing really comes up and he wants to come back on a, a veteran minimum and we have the roster spot, we could do a lot worse than re-signing him. Um, so I, I would put him as a very low priority, but I would happily take him back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, there was... I was going through the roster earlier today, and there are not a lot of, I think, air quotes, veterans on the team, right? Not a lot of people who have played a ton of basketball, right? I think, aside from Davis and Rubio, I believe Towns is the oldest? Jake Lehman. Ah, Lehman, yes. I always I forget about him. But yeah, so, yeah, so 
not a ton of, and even he's not, how long has he been in the league? It, it has not been. I think he may have been the class or two before Towns and D'Lo, so yeah. he's not old by any means either. I gonna, yeah, I was going to say, so not a ton of uh, experience with it. And so, yeah, I definitely think <clears throat> if the argument was for the sort of veteran presence, uh, I could, I would definitely be okay with keeping him. So the the next player up is Jared Vanderbilt on a, a restricted deal. Uh, I really like what he contributed this season. I think he's kind of a nice little role playing guy, and I wouldn't be at all upset if we kept him. What about you? Yeah, see, he is the guy that I expected to have the type of season that. Um, Jaden McDaniels did, but to a way lesser extent, mm-hmm. kind of to the season that he did. Um, I expected him to come in midway through the season if Wancho or Jay Clayman didn't work out and uh, give us a valuable like backup power forward type of minutes, and he did that. He's, I think, <clears throat> I would cap him off. Um, I would ha- happily have him back, but I'd cap him off probably at about three mil, maybe four mil a year, yeah. um, and if the Wolves don't bring him back, I think he's going to be a very, like, underrated acquisition for the team that gets him. Yeah, and I think I think that 3-4 mil a year mark is a good mark. I don't think there are a lot of teams who would offer him more than that, uh, and obviously the Timberwolves have the advantage here with uh, Vanderbilt being a restricted free agent where they can kind of match any offer that is made on him. And so the final free agent we have here, and I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, is uh, uh, Jordan McLaughlin. And go ahead and just kind of talk about him for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he... So Jordan McLaughlin kind of got screwed over a little bit with his contract. The two-way deal is very not player-friendly at all in any way, shape, or form. Um, He was a... So the qualifying offer for a two-way deal... Is another two-way deal, and then after that, it's another restricted free agency. Um, so he just kind of got the worst of all worlds, and I wouldn't hate having him back, um, but unfortunately, there's probably greener pastures elsewhere for him, and the Wolves have uh, Ricky Rubio, possibly uh, Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham type to add into. And then you got Jalen Noel, who honestly can uh, is a combo guard and could slide into the backup point guard role or third string point guard role pretty easily. Um, so ultimately, I think he's gone. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I I am kind of leaning the same way. Uh, I've been watching this guy since. Uh, last year's summer league, I saw him in the summer league, and I was instantly just sold on him. Right, instantly sold on the athleticism, on the 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 sort of way he approaches the game. But <clears throat> I'm of the opinion that yeah, I think unless the deal is perfect, I think there's greener pastures for him elsewhere, and I think we've got so many people already vying for that position that I I don't think he'll be returning with the team next year. And I I would not be surprised if the summer passed and the Timberwolves didn't even make an offer. Uh, if they just kind of let him go on the first offer sheet. Yeah, and 
he's such a like a solid, perfect backup point guard. Like he doesn't yeah. play without it or play out of his abilities or anything like that. He doesn't make stupid plays. He's just solid and like any team's lucky to have a bench uh, point guard like that, like Tyus Jones or uh, Monte Morris. Um, guys like that are just always sought after uh, backup point guards, and I'm assuming some team will at least give him a minimum offer that's fully guaranteed, and that'll probably be a deal breaker for Minnesota. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and uh, I'm—he's a fan favorite, I think, and I think he'll be a fan favorite wherever he goes. He's one of those players that the fans just kind of like unironically gravitate towards, and so. I'll, I'd be. I'm really interested to see what happens with McLaughlin this season. And so, following up on that, we have a much bigger pool of free agents for next year. And so, we'll just kind of go down uh, the list that I have here. Topping off the list, unrestricted free agent next year is Ricky Rubio. Uh, <laughs> anybody who's kind of like read the stuff that I put out on Hoops Habit or has read my Twitter page knows that I am a huge, huge Ricky Rubio fan. Uh, We've had conversations about this before. I'm I'm still in the boat of keeping him if we can, uh, if for no other reason than the veteran presence, again, that he brings, right? Especially having played with Utah and with... uh, Phoenix and kind of having this more, I think I think a more fast-paced uh, style. But what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, um, I'm ninety percent sure he's dealt this summer. But if he isn't, and he plays out his contract, and isn't dealt in the uh, at the trade deadline or anything, um, I would definitely be okay with bringing him back. But I'd have a number, um, and I'd want to see him not regress this. Uh, coming season also i'd probably say if he's re-signs for uh like three years 21 to 24 million contract seven mil eight mil annually yeah i would i'd be okay with that but anything else is i'd probably let him go yeah i think that's a good number for him uh and just a really interesting uh stat that i found uh, so I mentioned the assist turnover ratio. Uh, Ricky Rubio had a six to one assist turnover ratio. I believe he averaged six point four assists to one point eight ish turnovers per game, and so yeah, six to one, almost uh, six to two, but re- that really good uh, turn uh, assist turnover ratio there. Rubio's always been great at kind of protecting the ball and moving the ball. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat of just keeping him. I think that's a fair number. Uh, we talked enough about Edwards and they have, obviously his contract does technically like come up next season, but they have the two year club option. I don't think there's a, any universe in which they don't exercise that. Uh, some really bad things would have to come out on him and like yeah <laughs> yeah he'd have to really ruin his life and like come up as the worst person alive um for the wolves to do that or just like straight up lose a leg yeah um, yeah but like, anything short of that there's no way 
there's no way he's not back with the team in two years. Yeah, there's there's no way that they don't exercise that option. Uh, and so somebody in a similar role, uh, Jarrett Culver, who has a club option, I believe. Is this his two-year as well, or is this his one year? Is this just one year? It's, it's his last year, yeah. So, um, And that has to actually – so the club options get um, – accepted or declined the, the year prior. So the Wolves have to make that decision this offseason. This offseason. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And so uh, what are your what are your thoughts on him? I'll let you I think answer. he's, again, this is going to be me copying up, but I think he's traded. Um, I mentioned him earlier, but Leandro Balmaro is a very similar player in terms of strengths and um, like play style. He's not the driver or slasher that Culver is but he is um, a defensive wing who will be like ideally be groomed to be a secondary playmaker and everything. And there's not a role for Culver if uh, Bomaro's like succeeding. Um, so with the money Culver makes, I, there, it just doesn't make sense to keep him around. Um, but that being said, I think it'd be stupid to decline his option. I think Culver is a guy who needs to figure it out in between his like ears, and he, all it is is confidence. And when you see like confident Jared Culver, you, he's a starting caliber player. Um, and if he can figure it out, if he can just keep everything going, um, I think he has a place in the league, and I think that rookie deal is worth it. Yeah, and that's oh man that. That is my only hang-up with him, is that Jared Culver is one of those players, uh, Josh Kogi is the same way, where he came in and I was really excited about what he would bring to the team, and I'm just not quite there yet with him. Uh, I'm with you. I think, ultimately, he's he's not going to be with the team for much longer. I think he is going to... I think being involved in a trade is a good, is a good thought of what will happen to him. Uh, and yeah, it's all confidence. And when you see confident Jared Culver, he's like the player that you want him to be. But how often can he get there is my biggest question with him. Yeah. And I think a change of scenery will do him pretty well. And like getting into a winning team, better uh, surrounding cast and everything. Yeah. Will yeah. Help. Uh, moving on then. Unrestricted free agent next year, uh, Jake Lehman. Uh, an interesting stat I found on him, Lehman shot nearly 50% from the field this season, but shot under just under 30% from three. I'm not quite sure if he fits the system that Minnesota's going to be leaning towards, but I'm not sure. I think, again, he's one of those guys where for the right price, I could see him re-signing with the team, but I I don't think I don't I don't ultimately think it's going to happen. I think uh, with McDaniel's kind of sprouting into the player that he became, I think there's going to be better options. Uh, but I've I've never been high on Lehman, and so what uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, so. There is a way for him to be backup again, or the backup power forward, and have like a consistent role again if uh, um, 
Jared Vanderbilt walks in free agency, so we could get more of a like better look at him. But Jake Lehman is another guy who you couldn't take anything away from this season. Like you watched him, and um, yeah. part of when it was the D'Lo Catless uh, show in the first half of the season, Lehman would just be relegated to a corner, and like that's his role on offense, just hang out and not be involved really. Um, and then there'd be other parts in the Finch era where he'd come in and either be a, one of the worst players on the floor or instantly get you 14 points and then never see the floor again for like a, a week. Um, and finding that middle ground of who Jay Clayman is and like the player that he is um, would help the Wolves a ton. But that being said, I don't think he uh, gets a consistent role again next year. I think he either is traded or we let him walk. I don't think uh, having him as our fifth guy as at the forward spots really will help us much. You can, no. Yeah. Like, go find another, like, Keelan Martin type um, yeah. on the two-way deal and groom him into being Jake Lehman's successor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think he sticks around and again unless, like, he lets us give him a deal that's just too good to pass up, which I don't think happens. And so uh, moving on again, one of those players who I mentioned before, who was like, I'm, I'm still high on him. I still like him. Uh, Josh Akogi, really solid defender typically, but the other side of the court is the issue with him. Uh, and his production on offense is the problem with him. And I think he, he could be a nice trade piece. Uh, he is a restricted free agent uh, come the come next summer, and so that could also help. But yeah, what are what are your thoughts on Okogi? One thing that like kind of bodes well for the Timberwolves, um, and this goes for Jared Vanderbilt as well. Um, this past off season, Rondé Hollis Jefferson didn't get a deal except for with us, which was a sweetheart deal, but non guaranteed training camp deal. And then he didn't get another one until well after the trade deadline with uh, Portland. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Tory Craig also got waived, then got a vetman, then got traded for peanuts. Um, and seeing guys of that archetype where it's all defense, no offense, um, kind of get nothing in the open market is going to be a like good bargaining chip for... Um, the prices of Vanderbilt and Okogi add in that they're restricted free agents and um, no team's going to want to kind of overpay to get them away from the Wolves. So there's a, I'd say, 75% chance that the Wolves get a sweetheart deal for both of them. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I, I, would, I don't think I'd want Okogi as a, a building block going forward. Uh, I, he, his offense is a tough sell for a team that's like, trying to compete and if he can like get his three-point shot to be consistent um, and play in a, a little more control hopefully better playmaking and better spacing um, will help him a lot and like a full season full off season of um, getting cat getting Malik Beasley getting D'Lo uh, the passing chops of Rubio and uh, Bomaro um, and guys like that like hopefully that all kind of helps him take the next step as a offensive player and, like, just makes his life easier. But ultimately, if he doesn't take, like, a significant step on offense, 
I wouldn't view him as a key part. And if he comes back on like a min or like a two, three mil deal, I'd be happy with that. But uh, if he like if you know he gets offered eight million, I'm letting him walk. And even if he does come back, I'm still looking for who is my upgrade over Josh Okogie going forward. Yeah, I think that's ultimately going to be the fate. I do have I do have pass on my sheet as well. I do have kind of letting him go in free agency as well, but as much as it hurts me to say. <laughs> yeah. I I am a big I am a big uh defensive player fan. I really I was hopeful for what Ronda Hallis Jefferson could have brought and of course nothing really panned out there. I was hopeful with for what Ed Davis could have brought and nothing really happened there either. And so uh so a player after my own heart, I'll say, but yeah, I think Ultimately, his his days with the Wolves have, are numbered. Uh, moving on briefly, uh, much like Edwards McDaniel's club option is up to two-year club option. Again, it, I mean it's rare that even like lower-tier rookies, the club doesn't take the option. I I would actually be kind of interested to see like what was the last rookie who only played two years with the team and then the club denied the option. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I would be interested to see who that who that would be. There's probably no way that, just like with Edwards, there's no way that uh, McDaniels gets passed up on. There's no way that they don't exercise the option. Uh, any thoughts on him? Yeah, again, like Edwards, um, he has to either come out as the worst human being ever um, or lose a leg. Otherwise, yeah, the the team accepts his option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody who made again in the vein of, of players who made really big improvements in the game this season. Uh, there is a club option on Nas Reed's deal, and I think Reed really took huge leaps and came out as one of the one of the role players that Minnesota really needs going forward, uh, especially if the injury bug hits them again, like it did this season, I think they exercise this. I don't think they let him go, especially for nothing. I think if they're going to let him go, they're going to trade him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure what his contract specifically is. I know that he signed as a restricted free agent vice a second round pick, but if it's like a second round pick, um, declining the club option gives you the rights to restricted free agency Vice accepting it gives you makes him an unrestricted free agent the next year, um, and that might be an incentive to decline it just so you have match rights on him. True, true. If you want to keep him in restricted free agency, that could be uh, something to look at. Uh, but I don't think ultimately, if we're looking at intent of the team, I don't think the team is looking to get rid of him anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, um, it would just be the difference of Nas Reed being able to sign wherever vice Minnesota being able to match. Um, yeah. So if you decline the, the club option, uh, you get to match any offer and kind of get some goodwill because you're paying him a little bit early too. But then that gets into the team's cap situation being a little messy and gnarly. Um, so yeah. that gets a little tricky as well. They They may very well end up just taking the easier road and uh, exercising that club option and risking uh, unrestricted free agency the following year. So, uh, and then the last player, I believe on 
yep, whose contract is expiring is uh, Jalen Noel. Uh, made some huge leaps this season in his play. Specifically, I think the biggest advancement he made from last season was in his three-point shooting. Last season, he shot 11.5% from three. Uh, this season, he shot 33.3. Uh, another player where I think, uh, and of course, he's on a club option as well. And I think you keep him at least for one more year. Yeah, um, I I will say that Jalen Noel's uh, stats last year didn't show how great he actually was. Um, it was a guy who would only get thrown in garbage time, get very inconsistent uh, playing time and everything. And um, yeah, watching him in Iowa, it was you could see that his scoring chops were there, and uh, he just needed to find his footing in the NBA. And thankfully, he got that opportunity this season. And there were points where um, he was the guy on the bench, like the offense was funneling through him. He was the shot maker there. And I think that's his role. Like if you want to sell Malik Beasley, get him out of the system um, and trade him for um, a player that fits better, that plays better defense, like a uh, Larry Nance type, Mm -hmm. you don't lose as much sleep because you have Jalen Noel. Um, and that ultimately makes everything easier and better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like him. Yeah, some uh, stat to kind of boost that point is, yeah, he went from 3.8 points last season to averaging nine points a game this season, and he definitely saw an increased role last season. He only played uh, about 10 minutes per game on average, whereas this season he was averaging a little over 18. And so I think... The more chance he's given, the more advancements he'll show and the more progressions he'll make. Uh, And so I want to kind of wrap up here. News came out earlier last week about uh, the Timberwolves sale and uh, Glenn Taylor's sale to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. And it seems that there is kind of some weird legal things going on with uh, all this. Of course, the complaint was filed by Meyer Orbach, who is a uh, minority shareholder with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He owns uh, 17%, which is more than any other minority shareholder. And he is alleging that his tag-along rights were not... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They, they were not. He was not allowed to exercise his tag along rights. Uh, and so tag along rights are basically if a team is being sold, a minority owner is able to sell their share of the team as well. And he is alleging in this complaint that uh, basically Taylor's idea of like an incremented sale, where the ownership of the team transferred between this season and uh, uh, 2023, 2024, he he said that he thought it was a fairly clumsy way of trying to avoid that. Uh, however, in in fairness to Taylor, there have been reports that said that this inc- this incremented system of payment was actually so that uh, Laurie and Rodriguez could acquire the the money that they're buying the team with, and so there may be 
uh, alternate reasons as to this, but what are your thoughts on kind of everything that's come out in the recent days about this? Yeah, um, for context, I believe, um, I don't remember who was saying it, but Lori uh, sounds like he has a bunch of things in the works and is like going to skyrocket his net worth over in the next couple of years. Um, so it makes sense why they're doing the incremental sale and why like they're waiting on money to uh, get freed up. But for quickly the, um, for context to the sale point of the team, I believe is one point five billion, two billion. I, I, uh, I think it's something along those lines. Yeah, I think along those lines, it's about one point five billion for the team, uh, as opposed to the eighty eight million that uh, Taylor paid for it in ninety four. Yeah, um, and I will say that I I think it's just a bunch of Orvac not being a great guy. He sounds like a very money greedy guy, and kind of just hooting hollering to hooting holler and get more money. Um, and Woj, he uh, didn't get any of the scoops from A Rod and team about the sale, so it sounded like he got pretty upset and salty about that. So. This sounds like more of a Woj grunge um, article and grunge report than like uh, anything of actual substance. That's interesting. So you think it's kind of because he wasn't informed about the sale before it happened that Woj is kind of like uh, taking out his aggressions almost with this piece? Yep. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Orbach is just a garbage enough human being to like support it. Hmm. I... That's interesting to me. I think uh, we're kind of bearing the lead here where I think the bigger new news point that came out of this was that uh, Orbach was alleging that there is no language in the sale contract right now that say that that says that Lori and Rodriguez would need to keep the team in Minnesota. And <laughs> I remember I can't remember who it was, uh, but I was listening to a podcast in the host was just like shocked at this because Taylor of course had said for months and months and months that like there was language in the contract that they, they had to keep the team in Minnesota and the host was just shocked at uh, that Taylor would lie, that he would be so deceitful to the Minnesota Timberwolves fans. And I kind of chuckled at that. I was like, clearly you've not been paying attention. <laughs> so Taylor's, uh, Taylor's legacy as an owner is not, not spotless, we'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah. But on on this topic of relocation, uh, it's even if there's no language in there, and I was reading a really great article by uh, Chris Hine in the Star Tribune that was basically saying, like, legally, it's dicey whether or not Taylor could put that in there, if, like, legally he could do it, and... One of the experts that he went to said, like, mm, he probably could, but there'd have to be some, like, expiration date. It could not, it couldn't be, like, indefinitely, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but if you're looking at the financial side of this, you know, obviously, Adam Silver has talked about wanting to expand, specifically expanding to Seattle and Las Vegas. However, expansion for the league benefits the league more than the Timberwolves relocating. So... The, the price for an expanding team to kind of enter the league is about $2.5 million, uh, I believe, whereas the price for relocating is $2 million. 
so the league would be missing out on about 50% of the profit they would make from an expansion. And I don't think you would pay $2 million. And then you also have to pay uh, for, uh, you have to back out of the Target Center lease, which comes up, I believe, in 2034. Uh, so you have to pay for that. I don't think you buy a team for upwards of $2 billion if you have to just pay more money to relocate it. I, I do genuinely believe that Laurie and Rodriguez are most interested in keeping the team in Minneapolis. I think if they tried to move it, they would run into a league that would not want them to relocate and they'd have a lot of problems there. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this whole kind of relocation debacle? <laughs> I find it annoying. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people don't get the context of everything. And they're just searching for headlines, grabbing headlines, and, like, everyone's super eager to say, oh, nope, the Wolves are going to Seattle. Everyone get excited. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the headline is, like, oh, Lori said this. Or, actually, he hasn't said anything, so that's not a good headline example. But, like, the headline is, like, um, you know, there isn't a uh, clause in it. And, like you said, there's context to that. And then... Um, then there's also the context of expansion and everything. And it just doesn't make sense for, like, short-term, at least, to move the team. Long-term, maybe. Like, you know, five years, ten years down the road, yeah, let's revisit it. But, like, short-term, everything just makes way more sense to keep the team here. Yeah, I think the only reason that I could see the team relocating is Alex, you know, and people pointed this out in these articles that you talk about, that... Alex Rodriguez has a history with Seattle. Of course, he was uh, he was drafted by the Seattle Mariners. However, it's worth noting that like Seattle really doesn't like Alex Rodriguez, and so people pointed out that like oh maybe he would move them there as kind of like try to make a peace offering. And I I don't think if you're trying to move a team to Seattle, the Timberwolves would be the team that you bring as like a peace offering, right? I think you go for a bigger team. Uh, of course, that would be the bigger the team, the harder it is to relocate them. And I think also the only way that this could work as a peace offering is if Adam Silver came out and said, you know what, actually, we're not going to expand. Uh, we're going to stay at 30 teams forever until the end of the world. Uh, at which point, then I think if you moved the Timberwolves to Seattle the the public opinion of Alex Rodriguez would soften, but I don't think... I think that's the only circumstance under which that happens. And I think... I think the people of Seattle want an expansion team rather than just, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, I'm sure they wouldn't be uh, too crazy about uh, what happened to them happening to another fan base. Mm -hmm. um, so expansion is definitely the way to go. And, like... On top of that, you lose a bunch of history. Like, men, the Timberwolves aren't really the, you know, cornerstone franchise of the NBA, but, like, Minnesota has so much history in basketball, and it's such a rich, like, basketball state, and it's underrated in that sense. But the Lakers started here. They were the first, like, dynasty. Um, and then a lot of the ABA, like, happened with Minnesota. Like, they're a huge influence on that with um, – George, uh, Mike, or, yeah, Mike, yeah, and, yeah and, sure. uh, 
everything like taking that away just kind of feels like you're uh, doing the league wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And to look at things purely from a business side, Minneapolis is a really nice city for businesses to be in. They're in league. Uh, they're a top fifteen city in the league. They're a top fifteen franchise. Uh, Seattle, for context, is a thirteen franchise. Is a top thirteen. And so I just don't think that the league has has any interest in moving Minnesota. And I think you don't buy a team to try to relocate them with a combative league. I, I don't think it would pass the uh, Board of Governors approval. I don't think anything would come of it. And so I agree. I'm kind of sick of seeing these like <laughs> the Minnesota Timberwolves are no more like yeah. the endless kind of take on it. Uh, but It'll be interesting to kind of see how this all resolves and what kind of happens here. Uh, but that's kind of it for the first episode. Thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for talking. It was uh, it was really fun. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. I, I'm glad I could be your first guest. Absolutely, man. Uh, so where can people find you? What are you doing these days? Yeah, um, I am on Twitter at um, L-A-L-T-E-N-N-B-A. Um, and I write for A Wolf Among Wolves. Um, I've been slacking a little bit lately, but I'm sure it's, yeah. it's going to pick up here sooner rather than later. Yeah, great site to Wolf Among Wolves. Great site for uh, Timberwolves fans to go to. Yeah, so. They're formerly um, of the True Hoop Network, which was linked with ESPN. I don't know if you remember that at all. I, I don't. I didn't even know that, so that's, that's interesting. But yeah, I think a really, really... Uh, great site to go to and great site to check out. Otherwise, thanks for joining, man. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.